So you've got a series about living faith. And uh, this morning we talk, I share with you some thoughts about the issue of bearing fruit. Hence the reading from Matthew chapter 7, where Jesus is talking about the fruit of good trees and the fruit of bad trees. And um, I want us to to think for a little while, um, how can you know if you are dealing with someone who is a disciple of Christ or not? The answer to that is you can tell by the fruit that is in their life. And so the question comes about a Christian. It's not just a case of, have you entered in to the kingdom of God? Have you become part of the church? Are you in relationship with God? But is there any real change? Having become a Christian, is there any real change? Michael Green, who authored a commentary on the passage from Matthew, says this. A profession that makes no difference to the way we behave is barren and will never save anyone. There must be fruit, attractive fruit on the tree of our lives. Fruit that will show that there is a gardener at work. Not Mike Gardner, but this gardener. Fruit that will satisfy the hunger of the passerby. How evil are the fruits to be found in many professing Christians? An arrogance that alienates. An externalism that does not touch the heart. A separation between religion and life. A faith that makes no demands. Or that consists in legalism. And Michael was writing at a time when this was quite prevalent in the church. Maybe even today there are pockets where sort of it's religion, not relationship. It's do as I tell you rather than do as I do. But this morning I want us to think about two ways of looking at bearing fruit. Firstly, in our character and lifestyle And then secondly, in our ministry and service. Well, thinking about our character and lifestyle, we can ask some pretty basic questions. And just think for a moment, these rhetorical questions. Are you a nice person to be around? And is that what others think of you? In our conversation, do we build up and encourage one another... Or do we tear down and destroy? Do we gossip? As Paul puts it, are we the pleasing aroma of Christ? Do people want to come and congregate to be with us? Because it's a real blessing to be in the company of someone. You see, for many of us, we have a skew in our thinking that says all we need is faith. It is not something we need to work at because God's grace is all we need. We cannot earn our salvation. It's the free gift of God. 
Now, you'll be pleased to know that I agree with that statement that, you know, our salvation is the the free gift of God. The only way we can receive God's grace is through our Lord Jesus Christ, who loved us so much that he came and he gave himself for us on the cross. And it's through him that we can make relationship with God. We can't get into heaven by our own merit, by what's in our bank account or what we do or what we say or how we behave. Those are things that will not get us into heaven by any manner of means. We cannot please God by earning our way into his presence. But with our faith, we need to develop our relationship with God and with our neighbour so that we can see fruit. You see, Peter, the the disciple, the apostle, he was quite a character when Christ called him from being a fisherman to being a fisher of men. He was impetuous. He was rough around the edges. And at one time, he even denied knowing Jesus. And yet, in later life, he could write in one of his letters, 2 Peter 1, verses 5 through 8, make every effort to add to your faith. Hmm, Is he saying faith's not enough? Add to your faith goodness. And to goodness, knowledge. And to knowledge, self-control. And to self-control, perseverance. And to perseverance, godliness. And to godliness, mutual affection. And to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what Peter is saying is God has given you faith, but you've got to work at it. You've got to develop Goodness and knowledge and self-control and perseverance and godliness and mutual affection and love. For some it's going to be harder than others. But it's like a staircase of growth and development. But friends, the good news is this. It doesn't have to be a struggle. Because as we open up ourselves to the Holy Spirit, he will come and enable us. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says this, Fruit is always the miraculous, the created. It is never the result of willing, but always a growth. The fruit of the Spirit is a gift of God, and only he can produce it. They who bear it know as little about it as the tree knows about its fruit. They only know the power of him on whom their lives depend. And so it is that as we open ourselves up to God and the Holy Spirit, as we find more of Christ in our lives, as we allow the Spirit to fill us to the measure of the fullness of Christ, then we will find that his fruit becomes apparent in our lives. Fruit from Galatians 5.22. Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And it's very clear in Scripture 
that the fruit is singular. It's not a case, here's a list of nine, pick any three. Oh, I fancy a bit of love and to have some joy would be nice and a bit of peace. But don't give me any (laughs) self-control. It's not like that at all. Now, it's really interesting, and I've only just recently come across this, but uh, psychologists would talk about the problem in our society as being that of attachment disorder. Many of our children and young people today, and, and as they grow up, so it percolates into the whole of society, they, they have a real problem in relating to those around them. You know, that's not at home, so kids don't relate to male figure, mums are struggling so they, you know, there's a lack of authority and, and we just see that we live in a broken society and one psychologist has written a list of the nine key things that are characteristic of this um, attachment disorder and what is really interesting is if you put this list of the nine uh, attachment disorder symptoms, they match as the antithesis of the fruit of the spirit. And so, the first one is broken relationships. Now we see that in our society all around. Fruit of the spirit is love. Most people who go to the doctors today present depression. The fruit of the spirit is joy. Many people in our society suffer anxiety. The fruit of the spirit is peace. Lots of people in today's world are intolerant. The fruit of the spirit is patience. Many people are angry. The fruit of the Spirit is kindness. Lots of people have hatred bubbling up within them. The fruit of the Spirit is goodness. Dishonesty is all around. The fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness. Many experience violence. The fruit of the Spirit is gentleness. And for lots of people, there is instability. The fruit of the Spirit is self-control. And what about us? Thinking back to those rhetorical questions, the basic questions, now ask yourself... Do people see love in me? Do they see joy in me? Do they see patience in me? Do they see peace in me? Do they see gentleness in me and goodness? Do they see faithfulness in me? Do they see self-control? Jesus said, by your fruit, others will know you. But our faith is not just personal. There's a corporate, even a global aspect to it. And Christ sends us in the world to be his witnesses. This is our service or ministry. And it's the second aspect that we're going to consider this morning. 
Not only does the Holy Spirit cause fruit to grow within us, he gives us gifts with which to serve Christ and one another. And Paul has written various lists that are recorded in the New Testament. And there's, there's not a single exclusive list. And we couldn't say, oh, you know, that, that gift isn't in that list, but it's in this list. So which is right? It's a, it's a sense that there's a variety of gifts. And they're all within the grace of God. And so... Coming back to basic questions, now we might ask ourselves, what has God enabled me to do for him? Is it a case that I can tell others? Is it a case that I can help with the administration of the church? Is it that I I can visit folk? Or can I preach? Or can I be fervent in prayer? Or do I get wisdom when there are tough situations? You see, in many churches, there's that misunderstanding that there's just a few people in our midst who are really gifted by God. And so false humility comes in. Oh, no, I couldn't do that. I'm, I'm not good enough. Rubbish. You see, in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul is writing to the church about the church and he says this Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers that's the fivefold gift of ministry but why did Christ give these apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers? Why? to equip the people for works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and we all become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of God. You see, the reason we have Christian leaders, and it's great you've got a new leader in your midst, and he's not there to do everything... You know, what was the list? It was the financing, it was the building, and it was the looking for the minister and all this. Okay, that might be part of their responsibility, but the other part of their responsibility is to get you to do the work. We don't like that, do we? (laughs) We want them to do it. They've got the blessing. But you see, when they teach you how to do... And I was talking to the folks earlier. Because I practiced what I preach this morning <laughs> in the first service. Okay. I can do it much better than an 18-year-old or a 20-year-old. I, you know, we don't want these 30-somethings doing all the work because actually I feel important with what I do. But the reality is they may be better gifted. You know, I am missing... In my church this morning, there's a young lady from Northern Ireland. She's probably 24 or 25. And when she preaches, I've never heard such an anointing almost from anyone. When she speaks God's word, there is a depth and an intensity. I will listen to the recording online afterwards because... She is such an anointed woman. And if it was offered to me to preach, I would say, let Hannah do it, because she can do it better than me. 
And that's the kind of heart that we need to have. Okay, I've done this job in church for 30 years, but let someone else do it because they've got the anointing, they've got the gifting, they've got the blessing from God. And when we work together, preferring one another, then we come to unity. And so that shows maturity and fullness in Christ. So this morning, if you're sitting thinking, what is it that I can do? Go and see John or one of the other elders and you will bless his socks off. Maybe not literally, but say, what is it that I can do? How can I help you? How can you teach me to grow in my faith as I serve? You see, Paul expected that all who followed Jesus would be fruitful. Just listen to his prayer for the early church that met in Colossae. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have a great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light this prayer it seems to pull it all together there's the knowledge and there's the wisdom there's the understanding there's the fruit there's the growth there's the endurance the patience and the joy so the big question this morning how (laughs) how let's return to words from our master Jesus John 15 verse 4 remain in me as I also remain in you no branch can bear fruit by itself you must remain in the vine neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me I am the vine said Jesus you are the branches if you remain in me and I in you you will bear much fruit apart from me you can do nothing If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So in order to be fruitful in character, and in service there's just one thing that is needful we need to be in Christ We've got to be in Christ it is in him that we live and we move and we have our being and we come to the gift of God through Christ life in all its fullness forgiveness of wrong right relationship with God that starts now and lasts forever But Christ's expectation of each of us is that we will bear much fruit. You see, Jesus used the example of a tree. He's the tree, he's the trunk. We are the branches stuck into it. We are grafted in. We are part of the tree. We are taking sap and nutrient from the core. And the roots go go down deep. The image is very expressive. 
So for us to have any fruit on our branches, we've got to be in relationship with, with Jesus. And through Jesus, with God, the creator of the universe. Now, Paul, when writing to the church in Rome, he spent 11 chapters of that great book explaining the relationship that we can have with God through Jesus. No longer do we need the old ways of the law. There is now the grace of Christ, which is sufficient for all. And then he gets to Romans 12, and I get probably familiar words to many of you. But I'm going to read it from the message, because it kind of has an edge. So, here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking about it. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. You see, we're a work of grace. We're on a journey. I began my journey 40-something years ago. And I'm still learning. I still haven't got it right. Mike and Jean have been on that journey longer. You might have just begun it last week. Wherever you are on that journey, there is always the opportunity for growth and maturity as we open ourselves up to the Lord and, and to the Holy Spirit. There are times when we might not even recognize how gracious and loving and kind and gentle we are, but let other people see that and say, thank you so much for what you shared. Thank you for helping me in this situation. Let the Holy Spirit work through you so that the fruit might not be evident to you but will be evident to others encourage one another to grow don't gossip bless when someone comes up to you have you heard about let me tell you is this going to bless me or not and if it's not going to bless you I don't want to hear it but go around blessing one another I was telling I was saying to Mike and Jean last night that the church that I, I currently attend in Guildford is one where the, there's so much positive affirmation of one another. We bless one another. I'm, I'm still struggling with blokes writing to one another and saying, love Mike, love Pete, as, as a sign-off. But we want to bless one another. And as we start blessing one another, people think, what's going on here? They're nice people to be with. And as they see that we're nice people to be with because we're blessing one another rather than tearing down and gossiping, the church will grow because people 
want to be connected with the good stuff. There's enough bad stuff out there. Let the church be different. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mould. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So take your everyday, your ordinary life. You're sleeping, we all do that. You're eating, we all do that. Going to work, most of us do that. Walking around life, we all do that. Place it before God and say, here am I. Embrace what God does for you. For this is the best thing you can do for him.